0: Alright, let's take a red song book Let's stand together and let's turn to number 67 Number 67 this morning At Calvary
1: Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me He died on Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turned. To Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burden soul found liberty At Calvary Now I give to Jesus everything Now I gladly own him as my king Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. and there was multiplied to me. There my burden, so and liberty at Calvary. Amen. It's
0: good to be in God's house with you this morning. Amen. Good to be saved. Amen. Well, we got prayer requests this morning, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes, ma'am. We will, for sure. anybody else, Miss Charlotte? Okay, I will. Anybody else? Prayer request. Y'all, please pray for uh, my friend Wally Langford. I just feel burdened for him. I hadn't heard from him till last night, and he just asked. He just said he really needed prayer, so. Let's lift him up in prayer. God knows the needs he has, and uh, he's just going through a struggle in life. Y'all remember to pray for my brother and my nephew. As uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, if anybody knows somebody has a camper trailer that maybe we could rent for a couple months, if you just know somebody, please let me know. Looking for a place for him to go. So, um, And just pray for his emotional well-being. Um, I'm sure there's others, other prayer requests. Anybody?
1: All right. My, my uncle my uncle and Ann, we already had him on the prayer
0: that Christ's partner. Uh-huh. Uh, my cousin Mark told me yesterday that I have really said that I don't want Christ's partner at all. Mm. And last week, Mark, he, he would
1: get really he would get a little angry. and They hadn't called the angel because he really thought his chest was hurting. Mm. Uh, but I, I think that the angel of the cane
0: Yes. Amen. We sure will. Anybody else before we pray? Yes.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Please do. Please pray for anything else before we pray. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God is certainly the source of our help, and he's able to do all things. Robert,
1: lead us in prayer. Amen.
0: You can be seated. All right, turn to number 74. Number 74. Saved by the blood of the crucified one.
1: Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father. One, save save my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Save, save, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Save. One, the angels rejoicing because it is done. A child of the Father, join with the Son, saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved Tis all gone. Save, save. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one.
0: Save
1: by the blood of the crucified one. The Father He spake, and His will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son.
0: Saved
1: by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned. My guilt is all gone. Saved, saved. I'm saved by the blood of the Crucified One. Saved by the blood of the Crucified One. All hail to the Father. All hail to the Son. All hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the Crucified One. Save, save. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Save, save. I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. Hallelujah. 392. 392. There is a
0: fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins.
1: There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge. i the way. Shall be till I die Then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing my power to save When this poor lisping, stammering tongue Lies silent in the grave Lies silent in the grave Silent in the grave
0: When this
1: Poor lisping Stammering tongue lies silent in the grave
0: Number twelve Number twelve On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross That's where we're going this morning We're going to Calvary mm-hmm.
1: On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish The old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, the old rugged cross. So despised by the world. Has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above. To bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For it on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it someday for a crown To the old rugged cross I will ever be true Its shame and reproach gladly bear Then he'll call me someday To my home far away Where his glory forever Of my life, I crown me now. I shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine hand. Forget Thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where Thou wast laid, tenderly born and wept. Angels in robes of light array guarded thee whilst Thou slept. Lest I forget Gethsemane Lest I forget fine agony Lest I forget my love for me Lead me to Calvary Let me like Mary through the gloom Come with a gift for thee. Show to me now the empty tomb. Lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget my agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for Thee. Even Thy cup of grief to share, Thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary.
0: Take your Bible, turn to Luke 23 this morning. Luke 23. We're going to start in verse 27 of Luke 23. Part 208. Getting to know Jesus. Took a long time to get to Calvary. And we're going to be here a little while. You know, the narrative of Calvary is very short. Doesn't take you much reading to get through it. You can read through it in 10 minutes and and read it read it slow and get through it in ten minutes. Uh, but I mean, you can probably read through it in two or three if you hurry. But you won't ever absorb all that you need to absorb unless you slow down and you let God show you, let God guide you, let God teach you as you go through, and you see what the Lord did for us. <clears throat> and I want you, and, and I, I I hate that I feel pressed for time this morning because I have. I have a message that needs to be delivered, and uh, you pray for me that I can get it all in. I'll do my best not to run over this morning, but I cannot guarantee it because, again, it's it's such an important message, and I don't want to let anything slide. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 27. We're going to read down through verse 38, and let's read. And there followed him a great company of people, and of women which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two others, malefactors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Father, we come before your throne this morning. Lord, I come as humbly as I know how, and I ask you, Lord, for, Lord, something I could never manufacture on my own. And that's eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand the scriptures the way that are intended for me to understand and to see and to preach and to teach. And, Lord God, I need you every, every inch of the way. Lord, I need you. Holy Ghost of God, breathe on me this morning. Please, Lord, forgive my sin. Please cleanse my life. Lord, please fill my mind, my heart, my being with your spirit, Lord, and please pour me out today. Use me for your glory. Reach into each and every heart. It's under the sound of my voice. Lord God, I pray you stir them and make them realize, Lord, just what you've done for us. Lord, if there be someone, Lord, who's listening into this, Lord, there be someone who's lost and undone without their without the Savior, Father, without forgiveness of sins, I pray, Lord, this be the day the Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, cause them to see it clearly, draw them to Calvary, show them their need for forgiveness, for salvation, for cleansing, and for the forgiveness of sins. Lord God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave us a Savior. Lord, may we never take that for granted. May we never forget the price that was paid for our sin. Lord, God, help us now in the next few moments. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Calvary. Somebody said there, man did his worst and God did his best. At Calvary, faith was justified hope conquered, and love assured. At Calvary, the Savior's heart of grace is contrasted by man's heart of rebellion. Me, any other preacher, we could just go on and on and on and on preaching on Calvary and never exhaust all the riches that are found here. And there's many important parts and aspects of Calvary that we could preach on, but there are seven utterances that Jesus made from the cross, seven statements. And over the starting this Sunday for the next seven Sundays, we're going to be looking at each one of those cross utterances, and and just what God has to say to us through them. Uh, while Jesus was hanging on that cross, while he was suspended between heaven and earth, he he, he uttered seven things. Number one, he said, "Father." Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Secondly, he said to the thief on the cross next to him, Verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. To his mother and to John he said, Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. Those three, those three sayings, those utterances were, were given before the darkness fell upon the earth. The next one happened during the time that darkness had fallen on the earth. When he cried out, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then after the darkness, he gave the last three. Number five was, I first. Number six It is finished, and number seven, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now the one that we're going to look at this morning is mentioned in verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's worth noting that the first utterance that he made is a prayer. The last one also is a prayer and the middle one also is a prayer. Jesus actually began his ministry with a prayer. And now he ends his ministry also with a prayer. Beginning his ministry in Luke 3:21 and 22, the Bible says now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open and the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am well pleased. He opened his ministry with prayer, and now he's dying on the cross for sinners, and he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Think about it. This has to be the absolute height of human kindness. The absolute height of it. Men, men have all kinds of ideas about what makes greatness. All over this world, they have they have all that kind of ideas. If a man has great talent, man can sing, and boy, he can just he can just his his voice is so beautiful it just awestruck. It makes people awestruck. Or, or or someone can really act. Somebody can run a football real fast up and down a field or throw a baseball or shoot a basketball in a hoop and people say, "Oh, wow, that's are so great." Some people have a lot of money and people say, "Man, whoa, what a great guy. He's got all kind of money. I mean, he got money to do anything in the world with all that money. Look how great that guy is." We look at somebody who's made it in fame and fortune and and, and they're on TV and their face is plastered on every magazine and we, and people look at them and they say, whoa, what a great what a great role model! What a great actor! Boy, they've really made it, aren't they great?
1: Uh, you know,
0: there's people in this world that's better looking than some of us, and we look at them, as people look at them and say, "Boy, oh, they got great looks." Is, what's something else, ain't they? But you know, the Bible gives us a whole different picture of what greatness is. Jesus was displaying His greatness on the cross, as He had never displayed it before. In Hebrews 13, verse 20, the Bible says this. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Don't miss what I just said now. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the of the everlasting covenant. Now, I want you to note that in the Bible, Jesus is he's called the good shepherd. He is called the chief shepherd. And here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he's called the great shepherd. Now, the reason for his greatness, the basis for his greatness is explained there in the verse. It says he led us through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's, that's the reason for his greatness because and he didn't leave us to die in our sins. No, he's our great shepherd and he has led us, his sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant unto the saving of our souls, and that's why he is the great shepherd. It's not because he formed the worlds and flung them out into space, into existence. It's not because he healed the sick and raised the dead. It's not because of his miracles and, and healing for, for those who are born with handicaps and deformities, it's not because he fed the hungry multitudes that he's great. No, it's because he led us through the blood of the everlasting covenant. If a man wants to experience greatness in this life, you know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to experience some sacrifice. Jesus Christ is great because he gave the ultimate sacrifice shedding his blood for the everlasting covenant and giving every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl the opportunity to be saved from their sins. And in this, we see humanity at its greatest. You say, why humanity at its greatest? Because Jesus Christ was dying as a man. He was not dying as God, God was not dying upon that cross, but Jesus Christ the man was suffering for our sins in a way that no other man could ever suffer. So we hear Jesus crying out, "Father, forgive them!" They know not what they do. We're going to divide this message into two parts, just two parts now there's there's some subpoints, but there's just two two main parts: number one, his praying. And number two, his prayer. His praying and his prayer. And I'm on a hurry because we've got a, quite a bit of ground to cover here this morning. As we look at his praying, first of all, I want us to notice this. That I want us to see here, there's an example for every single believer. Every single believer in his praying. Let me ask you a question. All through Jesus' ministry, he had, he had done acts of mercy with his hands. He had he had made made spittle uh, took spittle and mud uh, made dirt and made mud and healed a man's blind eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He laid hands on the sick and they healed. I mean, he did all kinds of of, of merciful acts with his hands. But what could ge Je- what did Jesus do when he no longer could use those hands? He prayed. Jesus' feet could no longer walk to and fro to be merciful to people, to to show them God's love. And he couldn't walk anymore. So what did he do? Prayed. Jesus could no longer instruct his disciples because they'd all ran away from him. What did he do? He prayed. When Jesus could do nothing else, prayed now let me just say this, there's a lot of churches just like ours, full of older saints most churches are that way today there's not many churches filled with youth anymore and if they are, they're probably not preaching much gospel but let's be honest, when folks get older, you know what happens our bodies get weaker, we get tired and we can't do everything we used to could do you know it, it's true Just can't do what we used to could. But, so what do we do? You know what? A lot of times people get discouraged. A lot of times people give up and quit altogether. They say, I just can't do anything like I used to,
1: so I just can't
0: do nothing. And they sit down and they give up. But let me tell you something. There's one thing you can still do for sure, and you can pray. You can pray with everything you have. Sometimes people end up on Social Security on a fixed income. They can barely make it from month to month. They feel helpless and they, they can't give like they once gave and, and they, or they want to. They still want to, but they can't do it like they used to and they feel helpless. Well, what do you do? You can pray. Prayer is a more valuable commodity than any money was ever in an offering plate. You realize that, don't you? It costs nothing to pray. Not a single dime does it cost to pray. Jesus is your example. Listen here. He's your example of praying when all else has failed. You may be in a position someday where you say, I just don't, I, I, everything is just, everything is falling apart on me, and here I sit, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and, 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 and everything's a mess. I don't know what to do. Remember, there he was, nailed, hung between heaven and earth. There wasn't a thing he could do, but He prayed. He's your example. Listen to me. He's your example of praying while in weakness, while in weakness. Isaiah fifty nine sixteen. there's a verse there, and it says, it's talking about God looking, and it said, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Nobody to pray for someone else. Nobody to lift up the lost. Nobody nobody to lift up the saints. Nobody to cry out to God for the things that are lacking around them. Greatest ministry that a man can undertake or a woman can undertake is a praying ministry. I've said before, I thank God for people that tell me that they pray for me. That gives me comfort. It gives me encouragement. It helps me to know that, that people are petitioning God's throne on my behalf. Like I said, it's the greatest ministry you can undertake. And a matter of fact, it's the Lord's ministry right now. Do you realize that? That's what the Lord's doing right now. Uh, listen, the Bible tells us that he's our intercessor and that he ever liveth to make intercession for his saints. So right now, you say, well, I guess we, all we can do is pray. That's all Jesus is doing right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying, making intercession for me and you. It ain't that ain't that big a deal. Well, it's a big deal to him right now. But you think about it. In our minds eye, let's travel to Calvary. Calvary wasn't a place to pray. Gethsemane was peaceful, it was quiet. Wasn't anybody to bother him in Gethsemane. But let's think about Calvary. Let's let's go there in our minds' eye. Let's picture the scene. All around him, as he's, as he's hung there between heaven and earth, all around him, there are people that are, that, are, that are jeering at him. They're shouting. They're cursing at him, hurling insults at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. Come on, Jesus. You saved others. You can't do that for yourself. The soldier's mocking him, saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, let's save thyself. They're just mocking him. I mean, all that's going on around him and you mix that in with the men on either side of him moaning and screaming out in agony and pain all that going on all the, sh- the shouting and cursing and all that going on combine that with the roman soldiers down at his feet gambling for his garments and we ain't even touched upon the pains going through yet but in the middle of all that he's praying I read somewhere that it said that it's not uncommon for one who was crucified to shriek, to scream, to curse, and to spit at the spectators. And I can understand that. But not our Lord. No. Prayed. In the middle of the most horrible suffering and death imaginable, he prayed. They laid him down upon that middle beam that he carried, that 200-pound cross beam that he carried part of the way up the hill of Calvary to Calvary, and and they laid him down, and they stretched his arm out, and they took a spike that was anywhere from from, from this long to this long, and they they laid that thing right there in the middle of that wrist. You say it said hands and feet. Well, in, in those days, your hand was considered your wrist and your hand. They drove it through that bone because they nailed it in his hand. It would have ripped out. That's the most painful place they could have put it, right there on that nerve that runs through the middle of the wrist, and that spike drove right through that nerve. They stretched that other arm out and they drove that nail through into the wood, and he felt his skin cinch up against the wood, and then they took they took and they raised him up and they put it in that notch, one foot. They placed it here and they took the other foot and they placed it over and they took that spike and they started in one foot and they drove it in the front of the foot through the heel into the front of the other foot and through the heel of the other one into the wood. The excruciating pain. By the way, that word excruciating comes from crucifixion. Excruciating, C-R-U-C, that refers to the pain felt by somebody hanging on a cross. It went went through the bones of his feet, you understand. Now, for us to really understand what he's going through, we have to realize that his arms are out of joint. Okay? He's hanging in such a position that inhalation is no problem. But he couldn't exhale. So in order for him to be able to exhale... He had to push up on the spike just to blow out. He had to press his nerves and his ankle bones against that spike to lift his body. And when he lifted his body, remember that that Roman cat of nine tails had tore the flesh off of his back. His his ribs, his inner organs exposed, and every time he raised himself, his back would grind against that old jagged wooden cross with every breath. And yet he prayed. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Pray, and we see our second point. Not only is he an example to us, but we see a lesson in this. And the lesson is this. Nobody is without hope. Not a single sinner is without hope. Of all the people in the world to pray for, I don't think I'd have prayed for the mob that was screaming and hurling insults and cursing me. I don't think I would have prayed for the lictors who, who took the flesh off of my back. I don't think I would have prayed for the soldiers that drove the spikes in his hands and his feet. But he did. I would have thought that bunch was beyond hope, wouldn't you? Have you ever been praying for somebody to get saved and their life got further and further and further out of control and you began to think to yourself, this is useless? There's no point. I got somebody like that in my life right now that I'm so burdened about, and I'm afraid he's going to die and go to hell. And I've been praying for him for twenty-something years, and I'm afraid that he that he, that he's going to slip out into eternity if I don't get to him before before too late. And I need to make a hurry up effort at it. Listen, I'm burdened about that, but you know when, and I'm telling you, the person I'm talking about, he 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 spent years and years and years deep in witchcraft. He tried to drag me into it back in my younger days. I mean, this guy's messed up. If you saw him, you'd say, oh, my goodness, we don't need to get around that guy. But he's not beyond hope. He's not beyond hope. Don't ever give up praying for somebody, ever. No sinner is out of reach for the grace of God. No sin is so black that the blood of Christ won't wash it white as snow. And I, I admit to our humanized, ungodly mob that's crucified Jesus, they look beyond saving. But I want you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We've not got forward. turn over there. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 41. <clears throat> Peter stood up to preach on the day of Pentecost, and this is part of his message, what he said. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent, and be ye baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. Now there may be some people say, Well, you know, Peter preached a wonderful message, and if Peter hadn't preached that powerful message, then people wouldn't have got saved. I don't believe that's what done it. And then somebody else might say, Well, the Holy Ghost of God fell on them, and the Holy Ghost of God, it was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost of God, and that's why those three thousand people got saved. I still don't think that's the answer. I believe it's because our Savior on the cross, hanging there, dying for sinners, looked at that crowd and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nobody is beyond saving. Don't stop praying for anybody. Thirdly, in his praying, I see that the sins of ignorance must be accounted for. Notice there, Father forgive them, for they know not what they do. Psalm nineteen, verse twelve, David said, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret thoughts. Secret faults. Those are things done in ignorance. Things that I didn't even know that were wrong that I did. Acts seventeen thirty. And the times of this ignorance God had winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I said the sins of ignorance must be accounted for. Ignorance is not the same thing as innocence. You understand that? You can say, well, I didn't know. There going to be a lot of people, listen to me, there's going to be a lot of people on judgment day that are going to say, I didn't know. I didn't know that I had to believe on Jesus. I didn't know I had to trust him. I mean, I believed that he was real. I believed all that. I believe. I mean, I went through the religious stuff. I did all that. But I, I didn't know I had to really believe on him. God will say, oh, well, you didn't know. It'll be all right. No. Ignorance ain't no excuse. The fourth thing we're going to see in this is, is this, that Christ recognized his sonship even in his dying hour. He cried, Father, forgive them. Though he was dying, though all the sin of the world had been placed on him, though he felt, though, it, though he knew he was, he was going to be separated from the Father, even though, even in his dying hour, even with all the sin of the world placed upon him, he still cried out as if, I know that you are still my Father and I am still your Son no matter what. He took that away. Somebody said, when righteousness is trampled underfoot and wrong is seemingly triumphant, faith is tempted to ask if there is really a God that sits on the throne of the universe, loving and wise and in control of everything. Sometimes things look so bad, they just don't even. God, are you there? Let Jesus reassure you that in your darkest hours, he's still your father. You're still his child. No matter how it feels, no matter how far you feel from God, no matter how distant, you're still his child. Never got to the point of doubting. He still cried father. He never lost a sense of what he was dying for either. Dying for them who were crucifying him. He was dying for me. He was dying for you. He never lost the thought of what he was doing on that cross. Forgiveness is contingent upon whether or not the debt has been paid, and he knew that he was dying to pay that debt. Fifthly, then there's the word forgive. Forgive. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm going to get a little deep on the, with, the, with you on this. The word forgive there, and I know you don't know Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar neither, but I will tell you that the word forgive there is in the second aorist active imperative. Does that mean a lot to you? <laughs> Let me just explain it to you. It means it's continual. It never stops. It's continuous, continuous, continuous. And it's directed not to the person speaking, but someone else. And it's a command at the same time. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive, it's describing his continuous prayer for their forgiveness throughout all the abuse and the crucifixion. When they slapped him, Father, forgive them. When they punched him, they pulled his beard, and they spit on him. When they nailed the crown of thorns into his head, he was praying, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. When the, when the Roman lictor took the cat of nine tails and ripped the shreds of his back, he prayed, Father, forgive them. When they put the 200-pound cross on his back, Father, forgive them. When they drove the nails in his hand, Father, forgive them. With each breath, Father, forgive them. With each curse, Father, forgive them. Still doing that today? Right there next to the Father. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And lastly, I want us to look at his prayer. It was not a prayer for blanket forgiveness. I want you to understand that too. He was not praying, Father, forgive all these people. That's not what Jesus was praying. Even though it may sound like that, he was not praying, Father, forgive everybody here. You see, that would be inconsistent with divine justice and human free will if everybody just got a free pass. God never forgives a man that doesn't come looking for forgiveness. Remember that. And his prayer here divides this crowd into two groups the knowing and the ignorant. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, I don't believe Jesus was praying for Judas when he was praying this prayer. Judas knew he was the Son of God, and he betrayed him anyway. Judas knew exactly what he was doing when he went to the high priest and he plotted over to them. He knew exactly what he was doing, so Jesus couldn't say, Father, forgive Judas, for he didn't know what he was doing. No, Judas knew exactly what he was doing. Jesus wasn't praying for Pilate that day either. Pilate knew he was an innocent man. and He tried to to set him free, but they insisted, so he went ahead and condemned him to die because he was worried about their opinion of him politically. He could not say to Pilate, Father, forgive Pilate, because he knew what he was doing. But the Jews who were there crucifying him, they knew they were crucifying a man. Yeah, they knew they were putting a man to death. They knew that. They were guilty of murder, but they did not understand that he was the Son of God. They refused to acknowledge that he was the son of God had they acknowledged that had they realized that it would have been completely different but they
1: didn't know that he was
0: and so they Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do I'm mindful of the song we sang this morning years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Yeah, I heard about it all the time when I was a little kid, but it wasn't until I realized it was for me, and I realized it was real, that I got saved. There are people all over this country who know that Jesus died, but they don't realize he died for them. There are people that live on your street. There are people that live down the road from you. There are people that you see in the stores. There are people all around you that don't know that Jesus died for them. Are you listening? Can you hear me? There are people all around you who need to know that he died for them. And God will not count them ignorant, I mean, innocent, because of their ignorance. God's not going to look at them and say, well, you just didn't know. I'm sorry. You can come on into heaven because you didn't know any better. No. They're going to burn in hell forever. Ignorance will not allow them a pass into heaven. So the burden of it falls upon our shoulders to tell them, to warn them. Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. He died to pay for your sins. Look at what he has done. And then when they see it, if they say, no, I don't want it. Hey, listen, it's on them. and our duty to tell them. Got one last point and we're done. The last point is not even mentioned here in the scriptures, but it's implied. Father, forgive them. And condemn me. That's the only reason he's able to forgive us. Is because the father condemned his own son. In our place. May we look at this today. And realize with deep gratitude. The love our savior had for us. The love he had on Calvary. The love he has seated next to the father. 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 Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a second. 366, if you want to find that ahead of time. 366, we're going to go to the Lord in word of prayer. And my prayer to you is this. Don't worry about what time it is. Don't worry what's going on. If God's dealing with your heart, you just need to come and pray. Right where you're at. If you just want to sit down and pray or stand and pray, whatever you need to do. But my goodness, let's go to the Lord. Let's thank him for being so loving, so kind, so merciful, so so tender toward us and so forgiving. Let's pour our hearts out to him today. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for the debt that was paid. Thank you so much for the forgiveness for sins. Lord, we see. We see the example of, of suffering for sin. Lord, we see the example, Lord, of, of, of forgiveness in the midst of suffering, of prayer in the midst of suffering. Oh, God, help us to be forgiving. Lord, when others cause injury to us, help us to be quick to forgive. Lord, help us to remember that everybody needs Jesus. Lord, make us conscious, soul conscious of those around us that are headed for an eternity in torment, oh, God, make us soul conscious. Lord, please let us be ever mindful of the message of forgiveness that's available to every single person. Lord, may we do our best for thee to share the message of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Father, I pray that if anybody out there listening to me is lost, they don't know where they're going when they die. Father, my prayer, my heart's desire is that right where they're at right now that they would come to you with their sins, laying them down at your feet and saying, I need forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Wash my sins away. I want to be saved. Oh, Lord, my prayer is that somebody somewhere out there is getting born again. Father, I pray for them that you'll guide them to a Bible-believing church. Lord, that you'll help them to grow as a Christian. Father, please help all of us in the weeks and days and months to come to be a faithful witness. Lord, to have a heart full of compassion toward others, realizing that everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs to be saved. Lord, please bless this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 366.
1: Jesus keep me near the cross there a precious fountain free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Sing the last. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait. Hoping, trusting ever Till I reach the golden strand Just beyond the river In the cross, in the cross Be my glory Soul shall find rest beyond the rim.